All right, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to stick with the Word. The Bible tells me to preach the Word. I'm going to stay with what this Bible says because what God's got to say is more important than what I've got to say. Better than what I've got to say. And I always pray and ask the Holy Spirit, tell me what you want to say today. Excuse me. But on occasion, the Spirit of God just comes to me and deals with me so strongly. And He's been bringing a word to me about a change He wants to make in me and to the church. And He's told me to bring this to my church. And this is a word to my church. I want you to listen to what He says this morning. I want you to look in Scripture and see it. I want you to hear God speak to you this morning. And then I want us to become doers of this word and practice it and put it into practice and see if there's a blessing on the other side of it. So this morning, we're going to talk about more shining, less whining. So a title that great and I get four amens is all I get out of it. More shining, less whining. Thank you. Thank you. What? Maybe your coffee was not right this morning. We're living in crazy days on purpose. All right, let me point out before we read this, Philippians is in the Bible. I heard a preacher say not long ago, it's one of those irrelevant passages. There are no irrelevant passages in the Bible. And this is in the Bible. I want you to read, and this is a word from the Lord for us. Two verses, Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things, let's pause just a minute. What's the word all mean? Thank you. So we don't need to cover that, you know. Do all things without complaining. Would you agree with me, uh, those of you who are experts, would you agree with me that the word whining is real close to the word complaining? Did the Bible just tell me to do all things without whining? All right, let me ask you a question, theological question. What if there's something to complain about? What What if it's really screwed up? I don't see in there where it says do all things without complaining unless it's really goofed up. You know what I see in there? Less whining. Okay, you don't have to amen today. I'm going to finish it anyway. All right. Do all things without complaining, disputing. Verse 5. So that, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and harmless. Watch this. Children of God without fault in the middle of a crooked and perverted generation. I've heard people talking about how goofed up this land is and how a bunch of perverts. You know what perverted means, don't you? A bunch of perverts. Tell me where God puts his people at. Where does it say? Children of God in the middle of a bunch of perverts. Now we think pervert, we think dirty old men that chase young girls. The Greek word, the word pervert, which came from the Greek word, means anything off of God's truth. Anything twisted. In other words, not straight. Not in line with God's way. Perverted means, the the proper Greek word for it, screwed up. Tell me what the Bible said. I want my people right in the middle of a screwed up mess. I want them living right in the middle of a crooked and perverted generation so they can whine. Let's read the rest of it. Verse 15, you may become blameless and harmless children of God in the middle of a bunch of perverts among whom you shine as lights in the world. So did I just read right there? Less whining, more shining in the middle of a bunch of perverts. Am I making this up or are you reading it? See why I told you Philippians is in the Bible? Some of you never read this right here. This is the message from God. 
Less whining, more shining. All right, here's the truth. Number one, Jesus' people don't whine, they shine. Jesus did not put his people in the earth to whine. I got one right over here, amen in me. Stay with me, sister. None of our stomach are with me today. He did not put his people in the earth to whine. He put us here to shine. Question, what's the only thing you can do today that you can't do in the new earth? We're going to worship God better there. We're going to love each other better there. We're going to love God better there. I'm going to fish better there. It's true. We're not, I'm not going to sit on a cloud like a fat little angel and play a harp. That'd be hell to me. I'm not going to that goofball place. I'm going to the new earth. More beautiful than this earth. And I'm going to live outdoors. You can have my mansion. I'm sleeping in a hammock. But the point is, there's only one thing you can do on this planet that you won't do in the new earth. What is it? Influence people. Influence people is the only thing you can do here that you won't do there. So I hear the question. Why did he not beam me up? You know, if I'm saved and I love Jesus and I want to be where it's perfect and, I'm, and I want a great life, why didn't the moment I just said, Lord Jesus, you're my Savior, why didn't Scotty just beam me up? I'm left here for one reason. One, to influence people. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount when he makes this great statement about his people. Here, Jesus is fixing to show you who you are right here. If Jesus says you are, that's who you is. And Jesus, here's how he describes you. Here's how he describes his people in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 is where Jesus describes his people. Here's what he said about him. Verse, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 14. You are the information of the world. What does it say? You are the what? Who's he talking about? He's not talking about pagans. This is only written to believers. He said, you are the light of the world. Is that big or what? All right, verse, it goes on to say, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bucket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Dear ones, you're placed in the city you live in, the company you work in, the family you live in, the church you go to, you are strategically placed in that place to do what? What does verse 15 say? What does it say? To shine, to give light to people. That's the only thing you can do on this planet that you're not going to do when you get to glory because Jesus will outshine everything there. All right, verse 16. Let your light so you'd be surprised how many, word, how many times the word shine is in the Bible. Tell me what the Bible said I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to what? Shine. Let your light so shine where? In front of people. Before men. All right, all right, if I let my light shine before men, what does that verse say the effect will be on people? They will run to God. They'll watch me. They'll watch you and they'll glory. People will watch me and say, that's what I want right there. People will watch me and say, that's what I want right there. All right. So the Bible teaches very clearly that we are the light of the world. And we're to shine in front of people. This is what Jesus' people do. They shine. They don't whine. Now, question. What is light? You know, the word light's in the Bible many, many times. What is light? What does it mean light here? What are we talking about? Do we measure a believer's light in watts, wattage? Like here's a 60-watt believer, here's a 75-watt believer, <laughs> kilowatt believer. You know, it's not, it's not measured in watts. What is the light that's supposed to come out of me? All right, let's look at it. Turn me to 1 John chapter 1. He makes it very clear. 1 John chapter 1, I mean, he defines this thing right down to 
in case you're wondering what light is. Now, does light mean that I'm supposed to put my hair up in a bun, get me a black dress? Well, I wouldn't get a black dress. Get a black suit. Give me a bunch of Jesus necklaces and all that mess. Carry a big Bible, put a bumper sticker on my car. God have mercy. That's not the light. Stay out of bondage. Don't put your hair in a bun. You're in bondage. All right. First John chapter one. Verse five. First John one five. This is the message we've heard from him. God is light. There's no darkness in him. I've never heard God whine because there's no darkness in him. Verse six, if we say have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. I love first John. It's very careful how it says things. Doesn't want to offend anybody. Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Now here's exactly what life is. Light is. First John two, verse eight, turn the page there. First John two, eight, a new commandment I write to you. It's true. The darkness is passing away. The light is shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness right now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and he'll never stumble. He who hates his brother is in darkness. He walks in darkness and he's clueless and doesn't know where he's going. How do you define light? What's the Bible word for it? You love people. You walk in love with people. Now, we can expand this a little bit further because the Bible gives us nine words that define light. Here's how it says it. The fruit of the Spirit is, if Jesus is on the inside, here's what you're going to see on the outside. The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Let me make an announcement. You have to almost be a magician to whine and be joyful at the same time. Everybody's going to get their feelings hurt today. Love, joy, peace. You cannot be upset and peace at the same time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or humility. Could we not use some humility in this arrogant nation right now? What's the ninth one? Control, self-control. Anger, popping my cap, marching, tearing up, online. That's not self-control. That's out of control. What's the most beautiful thing in all the world? Jesus Christ. That's the very person of Christ shining through. When you get a person in the middle of a bunch of perverts, a perverted generation, and they're so full of the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of God, the kindness of God, the graciousness of God, you just look at them people and go, that's what we need more of right there. That's what we need right there. That is the, when the Bible talks about light, that is the light. It is the life of Jesus shining through his people. That's, what the, that's exactly what the light is. All righty. Number two, you say, Brother Brian, it's just terrible. Number two, he told you this was coming. Why are you surprised? He told you this was coming. He told you. All righty. I'm stunned at the people who own a Bible that don't read it. Let me help you. It's not for carrying, Doc. It's for reading. <laughs> this is the truth of the ages. You ever heard of prophecy? Prophecy is where God tells you what it's going to be like down the road. All right, I could go anywhere, but I'm going to pick one right here, and I'm going to read you a few words in case you're wondering. A fellow asked me not long ago, he said, you're a preacher, can I ask you something? I said, sure. He said, what the hell is going on in this nation? I said to him, you answered your own question, Bubba. That's exactly what's going on in this nation. I knew it was coming years ago because I've read the Bible. I, I want you to listen to this. 
don't be spiritual on me. Just read this like a normal person. Know this. Demons, if God says in his word, know this, we should. Gotcha. Know this, in the last days, difficult times will come. Are we supposed to know this? And then he describes what people will act like. Here it is. People will be greedy, self-centered, arrogant, rebellious against authority, ungrateful, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, out of control, brutals, brutal, brutals, brutal. They're going to hate good, dishonest, pushy, haughty. He told you it's coming. I could go to many places in the Bible. We won't waste time here. I could go to a number of places and show you. He told you this was coming. What if God said this to you? What if he said this to you? <clears throat> darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. Guess what I'd think if he told me that? The man's never lied one time. He's batting a thousand. So listen to me. He told you this was coming. Everything's going just like it's supposed to on this planet. I'm going to give you a crazy one. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, we won't look at it. The Bible says four powerful demon spirits will go out in the earth. Here they are. Rebellion against governmental authority. The red horse will go out and take peace out of the earth so that men will hate one another and fight one another. The black horse will go out with a pair of scales. Economic collapse. Number four, the pale horse. Pestilence and disease throughout the earth. What's going on in our land right now? He told you this was coming. All right, I hope, I hope that cheered you up real good right there. <laughs> he told you this was coming, Doc. All righty. Number three, number three. Here's the truth, number three. Have you ever thought this? I told my wife one time, me and you should have lived in pioneer days. You ever wished you'd live in another time? Here's what the Bible says. You were born for such a time as this. You are right where you're supposed to be by God's design right now in history. You were born for such a time as this. Now, there was a lady in the Bible named Esther. There's a book about Esther. She lived in the most horrible times. Her people were being put to death because of their race. She was, she was fixing to be put to death. It was terrible. And she was upset. And her uncle Mordecai pointed at her and said, straighten up. And then he quoted, and then that famous verse, Esther 4.14, he said, you were born and brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Do what God told you to do right now in this place. I love that word. You were born for such a time as this. Acts chapter 16, verse 27 says this. God determined the day you'd be born and the place you'd be born. Let me make an announcement. He knew this was coming. He put you here for this day. For a per you right where you're supposed to be. I live in a bunch of, of a bunch of perverts. Bingo. Right where you said my husband's an idiot. His whole family's an idiot. Bingo. You right where you're supposed to be, Doc. That place you're thinking about called heaven, not yet. You're right where you're supposed to be for such a time as this. Everything's going just like it's supposed to. I'm going to ask you another theological question. Where do you stick a lighthouse? If you're the light of the world, where would you put a lighthouse? Uh, years ago when America, the United States, decided to get in the lighthouse business, they commissioned a number of lighthouses. They didn't stick them all on Coney Island so they could shine on each other. They strategically placed them up and down the east and the west coast. Guess where they put them? In the darkest, most dangerous place you could put them. You put a lighthouse where it's the darkest. Yep. This is some of the best preaching you ever heard. You put a lighthouse <laughs> where it is the darkest. So 
I believe the greatest lighthouse in the world is the Cape Lookout Lighthouse because it sits in the most dangerous spot uh, navigationally on the earth, sits right there on the graveyard of the Atlantic, right in front of Diamond Shoals where more ships have crashed than any place on earth. They put that lighthouse right there to do what? Help people in the darkness. You say, I work in a business, I ain't much of hellions, ain't nobody saved. Bingo. He, he must like you. You right where you're supposed to be. <laughs> you, all right, listen to me. Light doesn't run from darkness. Light looks for darkness. Can I quote to you from the book of Luke? The Son of Man came to earth to seek and save what was lost. Jesus didn't come to this earth and whine about it. He came looking for the darkness, to do something in the darkness. Light is always looking for darkness. Let me quote to you John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. Here we go. Light is always brighter in darkness. Shine, son. Shine. Don't whine. Shine. I've had girls say, I'm married to an idiot. I hear that a lot. What does the Bible say to a girl who's married to an idiot? Are you sure you're ready for this? Here's what it says. Shut your mouth. That's what without a word means. Shut your mouth and shine. And without opening your mouth, you will win him when he observes your life by watching your conduct. And let what people see about you not be the outward, how you do your hair, the clothes you wear, the gold jewelry. Let it be the beauty of an incorruptible heart on the inside, gentle and quiet, precious before God. You know what he said right there? Y'all don't think that's in there, do you? You think I made that up, don't you? All right, mama, when you get home, read it. First Peter chapter three, verses one through three. He said this, quit whining, start shining in front of the man. It'll change his life. The only amen I get is from the single girl sitting on the front row right here. Thank you. Not a married amen in the house. Doc, you was born for such a time as this. You, this is what you're here for. All right, number four, I'm fixing to wreck your Americana. I'm fixing to dump it upside down. Number four from the Bible, here it is. It's not all about you. It's not just about you. I right, listen to me carefully. I've heard people misquote the Bible. America, Americanism right now is me. Meism has captured the heart of this nation. It's all about me. I've heard people misquote this verse. I'm going to quote it and I'm going to quote it right. I've heard people say, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's not what it says. That's a misquotation in Romans 8, 31. Listen to what it says. If God be for us. Oh, I wish Jesus had come back and let the whole world go to hell. Dear ones, it's not just about me. It's about people. It's about other people too. And we need to be delivered from the Americana, what's in it for me, to let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who laid down his life to serve people. I want you to look with me at the verse of the code. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Here's the reason I'm on this planet. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. By the way, Isaiah 60 is the word of the Lord for this generation right here. This is the prophecy for this generation right here. Now, <clears throat> Isaiah 60. 
I love that. This is the word from heaven right now. I've heard from numerous prophetic voices around our nation in the last year or so. This is what God's saying to the land right now. Isaiah 60 says this, arise and whine. What does it say? Arise and shine. Did your mom ever say that to you growing up? Rise and shine, sweetheart. What's the Bible say right there? Arise and shine for the light has come upon you. The glory of the Lord's on you. And then verse two, I've already quoted. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. Do I need to convince you of that? No. But the glory of the Lord will rise over you. His glory will be seen on you. Watch verse three. Gentiles will come to what they see in you. Gentiles will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your shining. What's the Bible say right there? Yeah, it's going to be dark. It's going to be dark as hell in the earth because that's what's darkening the earth right now. But God's going to shine on you. His glory is going to be on you. And what's the whole purpose? What's the whole purpose of this whole thing? People to run to you and say, what, what is it? What is it that you got? You work in the same company I do. You put up with the same mess I do. Your husband's dumber than mine. There's just something different about you. Gentiles will come to your brightness. Quit elbowing him. Gentiles will come to your brightness. Dear ones, I'm not in this earth for me only. God's blessed the fire out of me. But it's not, I'm not just here for me anymore. I could have a better life in the other earth. I'm only here for people. I'm here so that people can see they've got to be something more to it than that. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me make an announcement. By the way, let me throw in a bonus here. Here's the bonus. If you'll change from the American attitude of self-centeredness to the Jesus attitude of greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends, guess what you'll find out? There's a bonus for people who obey Jesus. How can it be Mr. Gallup, who is the leading poster in this nation, he says that happiness is at an all-time low in this nation. Only 30% of Americans report being happy today. Our cell phones will reach Mars. What else do you want? I understand that there are cars now where you can hit a button and the window goes up. You don't even have to crank it up. Unlike mine. What more could you need to be happy? Could it be that the fact that Americans are so unhappy has anything to do with our self-centeredness right now? Here's the deal. Lay down your life for people. See if you don't find what you're looking for. It's called a serendipity. It's wonderful. Now let me make an announcement. Light attracts. I know it does. We turn on the porch light, bugs come all around it. <laughs> light attracts. I'm going to make an announcement. I'm going to knock religion down right here. I hear pre preachers are some of the worst whiners I ever met. That's why I hang around with cowboys, truck drivers, and rednecks. They're a lot more excited than preachers are. I hear people whining and saying, Ain't nobody wants to hear what God's got to say. The evil generation, nobody here wants to take it. You're full of crap. You're full. There has never been a better time than right now. People do want to hear. People are longing for Jesus. Let me, let me quote this to you. I'm just going to pick one. Numerous places in the New Testament. Luke chapter 15, 1, listen to this. All the crooks and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. Why was it that the most wicked people on the planet went without eating just to be near the man? Because Jesus attracts people. Religion sucks. Just thought you needed to know that. I meet religious people and I want to run. 
But Jesus draws people to himself. Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I will draw people. Dear ones, we need a whole lot less crabbing and a whole lot more of Jesus. God, that was good. Richie, we might ought to bring back old songs like, Do others see Jesus in you? Do others see... Y'all remember that? You old as I am, you remember that. Light attracts, it draws people. I'm just drawn to people that display the life of Jesus, not those that fuss and crab and are theologically correct. I'm in a a restaurant not long ago, and the waitress, she just glowed in the dark. She's just beautiful. And she had the best attitude. She was serving people, doing it with a great attitude. Folks was crabbing in there. And waitresses and waiters are my favorite people. Nobody puts up with junk like they do. And we're getting under God. I said, I said, I got to ask you something. I said, you got the best attitude. I said, you love Jesus, don't you? She said, no. She said, I don't even believe in him. I said, you a better Christian than most Christians I know. <laughs> I said, all you got to do is sign up, honey. You got the rest of it. Light attracts. Last of all, last of all, (laughs) to be light, you have to see light. You can be a believer and be full of darkness. In case you don't believe it, I'll take you to meet some. To be light, dear ones, you have to see light. Now, this is where I'm fixing. This is where I'm going to show you what the enemy has done to Christians in America. He's got us so focused on the darkness that we're becoming darkness. Instead, to be light, you have to see light. All right, I ran into a theological problem reading the Bible years ago as a young man. Here's what I saw. We've already read Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Do y'all remember that? Are we the light of the world? All right, but I found something else in the Bible. John chapter 8 is where Jesus, it's where that chick got caught in the bed with the wrong man and a bunch of fundamentalist preachers tried to kill her. So Jesus rescued her. Remember that? All right, and then verse 12 after that, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Well, which is it? Is Jesus the light of the world or am I the light of the world? Listen, there's no contradiction in the Bible. There's just something I don't know yet. So I asked him, I said, now you, you said in Matthew 5, I'm the light of the world. You said in John 12, I mean, John 8, 12, you're the light of the world. Which one of us is the light of the world? And he, he showed, the Holy Spirit showed me like this. I said, I, I got it now. I got it. I got it. Because I know that I'm, there's nothing good in me. How many of you have ever been out at night and seen the moonlight? You have not. The moon is a dead ball that has no light. So what's that yellow thing I see up in the sky up there? That's sunlight. The moon can produce no light. But the moon will strategically place itself in the presence of the sun so that it shines the light of the sun back to the people. That's what it means. Jesus is the light of the world and I'm the light of the world. Apart from him, I can do nothing, John 15, 4 says. But when my face and I behold Jesus and I live in his presence, the light of Jesus reflects off me back to the people. Isn't it funny that at times we have what's called an eclipse? which means the world blocks the light and we go dark. Different message for a different day. All right. I'm not the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. It reflects in me. That's why we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the greatness of the power might be of God and not of us. And no love in me to give. I'm self-centered by nature. But when I'm filled with his spirit, the very love that's in Jesus comes through me. 
the very joy of Jesus, peace of Jesus, goodness of Jesus. Dear ones, to, to be light, you have to see light. We're going to have to, sit. somebody should write a song and call it, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this perverted world will grow strangely dim. All right, I'm fixing to show you the principle. This will help you. Jesus said, life is all about what you look at. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. See if you do not see this happening with your children, with you and your society right now. I'm telling you, the enemy is doing a hoodoo on us with our eyes. In this nation, you're going to see what's going on. Matthew chapter 6, again in the Sermon on the Mount. See if you don't see this happening in the land and in people right now. I mean good, well-meaning people. They're ones, I think most of us have gotten over crack. Well, if you hadn't, we got a ministry to help you for that. Most of us have decided to quit whoring around. Doing the best I can. If you're still struggling with that, we got something to help you there. Most of us have quit. <laughs> We're not running around drunk peeing on the sidewalk. Most of us have decided to straighten up in these areas. This is the one that's killing us though. All right, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus explained our lives like this. Verse 22, Matthew 6, 22. The lamp of the body is your what? It's your eye. It's your eye. If your eye is good, your whole body be full of light. Are we supposed to be light? How do you become light? You better get your eye on something. Verse 23, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Can a believer be full of darkness? I can take you to meet some right now. Your whole body will be full of darkness. Now watch this. If the light in you turns to darkness, you just become great darkness. Do we need believers that are great darkness? What did Jesus say right there? It's not about whether you're a Christian or not. It's about your eye. You know, it's not too much eyeball. It's the focus of your life. What you, dear ones, what you look at, you become. What you eat, you become. What you feed on, you become. Let me read this to you in another version. I'll just read it to you in another version. Verse 23. If your eyes focused on cable news and the internet all day long, I'm trying my best. <laughs> dear ones, this is what the enemy is doing right now. He has gripped believers so much with the garbage going on in this land we're starting to reflect the garbage in the land rather than the light of Jesus who lives. What do he tell you? Get your eye on the good stuff. Get your eye on the good stuff. Now, now, <clears throat> I read the news every day, but I have a timer and I give myself five minutes to do all the news and that's it. Because I've seen the effect it has on people when they get baptized with bad news. But I never look at that five minutes until I've spent one hour in this book. You can't glow in the dark eating dark. Amen. This head right here makes all the difference in the world. That's why this book right here says in Philippians 4.8, whatever things are true, inspiring, honorable, pure, beautiful, encouraging, excellent, praiseworthy, let your mind dwell on these things. If you eat darkness, you're going to become darkness and the world's going to see darkness. If you'll eat light, if your eye's good, your focus is good, your whole body going to be full of light. Amen. Let me tell you something. We're supposed to glow in the dark, not puke the dark. 
All right, I don't know if you know this or not, but according to the Bible, are we to be reactionaries or light? I'm not supposed to react to what's going on around me. I'm supposed to light your world. I wasn't put here to tell the news. I was put here to change the news. How many of you know the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? All right, I'm fixing to ask you a theological question. Hang with me here a minute. <clears throat> Tell me what a thermometer does. It measures the temperature in the room. What does a thermostat do? It changes the temperature in the room. Jesus Christ came to this earth. Was he a thermometer or was he a thermostat? Did he come down here and look around and say, this sucks? This is terrible. It's awful down here. Did he? Or did he come down here and bring light to this dark world? Were his words life and hope and grace? Jesus walked in the middle of darkness and brought light and hope to people. Dear ones, believers should not be thermometers. Thank you. I know what's going on. I don't need to hear it again. And I don't need you barfing on me on my nice new shirt here. Don't be barfing on me. I need you to be light. Let me tell you what the Bible said about people hanging around Jesus. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of his innermost being, out of his heart, will flow rivers of life-giving water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those believe in. Listen, you spend time with Jesus, life's going to come flying out of you. Your words will be life to those who find him, healing to all their flesh. All right, one last thing we're done here. <clears throat> you ever heard the word disciple? I hope you have, because that's what we're doing here. What does the Bible say we're supposed to be doing? Go into all the world and make disciples. That's our goal is to make disciples. You know what a disciple is? It doesn't, have to be a, it doesn't have to follow Jesus to be a disciple. Moses had disciples. Gandhi had disciples. A disciple is a person who has become so fascinated with one other person that they want to give their lives to follow that person and become like them. And they want to become a disciple. Somebody wants to become just like somebody. All right, and we're called to make disciples. Listen to what the Bible said. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me tell you how you know you're a disciple. Luke 6.40 says this. Every disciple, when they are perfectly trained, will be just like their master. Our goal is to make people into the image of Jesus here, to be just like Jesus. I've read the New Testament all the way through over 100 times. I never saw Jesus complain but one time. One time. And it was minor league. And if God does it, it's okay. I ain't fussing with him. Don't misunderstand me. Mark chapter 9. The disciples blew it again. And he said, how long do I have to bear with you? And that's as close as he ever came one time. What did he do the rest of the time? All through the gospels, what did he do the rest of the time? He spoke life and healing and hope and a future and grace. He picked people up. Jesus, here it is, Luke, Acts 10, 38. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Guess what disciples do? They act just like Jesus. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this question. Was Jesus a whiner or was he a shiner? He was the light of the world everywhere he went. And that's what we're going to do. Now, let me tell you what I've decided. Rather than play Mr. Thermometer and reflect everything in this world, I've decided to read the Bible rather than the news Psalm 118.24, and I've decided this is the day the Lord has made, and I'm on rejoice and be glad in it. 
I've decided that from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised and cable news is not to be watched anymore. Because <laughs> I got one mission left on this planet and that is to show this world the life of Jesus. Amen. And there ain't nothing more wonderful than getting around somebody that's just full of Jesus. You girls still don't believe it. You're still looking in 1 Peter trying to find it, aren't you? Do others see Jesus in you? Listen, get in his presence. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Say, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with your spirit in your life. And then, Lord Jesus, put me right in the middle of a bunch of perverts and let me shine. I double dog dare you to pray that. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I love you and praise you and thank you. Darkness is covering the earth. You said it would. But, Lord Jesus, the darkness was not supposed to get on your people. You said the glory of the Lord would be on your people. You said your people would glow in the dark, not whine about the dark. And you said the Gentiles, pagans, would come to those who glow in the dark and say, what is it that you got? And there's got to be something there. All right, Lord Jesus, we dedicate our church this morning to being the light, not of this parking lot, but the light of this county and the light of our city. Light this city up, Lord Jesus. Not because people fuss and whine and preach and holler at them and tell them they go into hell. Let people just look at folks all over this city as they go about their business and restaurants and their jobs and their schools and let people just look and say, what, what is it? What have you got? What is it about you? And Lord, just your word, light this city through this church. I trust you for that. Set this thing on fire. Let the love and life and hope and grace of Jesus shine through this house to people in this city who are clueless and wondering what in the world is going on here. Use this plan. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, you have planted them strategically in a city, a business, a school, a family, a neighborhood to shine. I mean it. Turn it loose, Lord Jesus. Let the light shine. And we don't ever want to miss an opportunity to just glow in the dark in front of somebody, no matter who they are. Lord Jesus, I pray that we can be as Christ-like as that waitress who don't even believe in you in public, everywhere we go. I trust you for that. The precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.